0: and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Jesus' name, say this, say really, 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 in Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen, amen. Turn to the book of, uh, let's head toward the book of Romans as I get us there, just just give us a little background before we get there, but I want to sort of take us a little bit further this morning as we study uh, this uh, issue of faith. And so let me get all logged in here. Uh, Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to be in just a few moments here as we get ready to go. But remember now, we've been talking about faith. And let me give you the big difference because this is it. This is the key. If you don't get this part of it, you don't really know how to build thereafter. But when we looked at Scripture, we saw that Jesus asked the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? A big question. And so it's, it's up for grabs. It's up for question today. Is there faith in the earth? And when you look at our society, you can sure tell why that is being asked or why Jesus said prophetically that would be the question he asked when he came back. We saw in the book of John where the disciples had saw Christ, he had died, he was in the grave three days and three nights, and he had risen again. There was one disciple named Thomas, Uh, when he had heard that Jesus was alive, he said, I'm not going to believe unless I can thrust my hand in his side, unless I can touch him, see the spear that went into his, all these kind of, I'm not believing unless I see that. And the Bible tells us that Jesus appeared to him, and he did, in fact, uh, look at Jesus, touch Jesus, know that he was there. And verse 29 of John chapter 20, here's what happened. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. In other words, because you saw me with your eyes, you believed. That's why you believed. One of the five senses that we have seeing. One we have, we have hearing, we have taste, smell, touch. Five senses that we have. And one of the senses brought a reality of Jesus to Thomas. He saw Thomas through the five senses. We call that sense, knowledge, faith. In other words, faith says, I'll believe it if what? If I can, if I can see it. And, and in the world, we live in that realm of sense, knowledge, faith. Uh, we don't want to believe something unless we see it. And we live our lives. If I can't touch it, I can't feel it. It's not real, and it's not reality. And so that's how we're conditioned to live in this life. And certainly, living in the world, it's okay to live by sense knowledge out there on a worldly fashion. But when we come to God, God teaches us that there is a way to live that is above the five senses, and it is a life of faith. Faith. And faith does not require one single sense of the five in order to be believed. Jesus said to Thomas this he said, this. he said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. I call that seeing and believing faith. I see, I believe. Seeing and believing faith. But he said, verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. Say it again. Everybody say, not, that's me. that's me. That's me. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. He didn't say Thomas was blessed. He said you believe based on what you could see. But blessed, or as one translation of the Message Bible says this, even better blessings are in store for that person who has not seen and yet believed. And so that's what we're talking about. You have to move into that realm of not seeing and yet still believing. That's with the realm of faith. If your faith is connected, well, I can see how that could happen. I can believe for that. No, that's not faith. Because you said, I can see how that could happen. That, that's sense knowledge. I mean, that's just what you know. It doesn't take faith to know something. You know. You can see that in, in the realm of, a, of the world that we live in. And so this faith experience is one that's out above our five senses, doesn't require the five senses for us to believe because our faith is not in the five senses. Our faith is in the word of Almighty God. We believe what God has said, regardless of what we see, taste, hear, touch, feel, any of those things. All that, we believe what God has said. That is the realm of faith. And the Bible tells in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I've got to be in this place of believing God outside of the sense realm. And so we talked about that just a little bit. We looked in Romans, chapter 3, and we saw in verse 27 that there is a law of faith a principle of faith, a way that faith works that you can count on, that it works the same way every single time. It's not hit or miss. It's a law. There is a law of faith, Paul tells us. There's a principle of faith. And so if there is a law of faith, there's a lot of laws in Scripture. We can look in the book of James. You've heard me say this before. And in James chapter 5, I believe it is, where he talks about that you go into a city and you buy and sell and get gain. Well, what's that? That's a law of profit. How do you get that? You buy, and then what do you do? You sell what you bought, and then what do you get? You get gain. Buying, selling equals gain. If you buy it right. If you don't buy it right, you can lose. But it's still the same principle going that direction except in a negative way. And so that's a principle. It's easy to understand. You won't be in business very long if you buy, sell, and don't get gain. Um, you've got to get gain or you're not going to be in business very long. And so that, that's a principle, a financial principle that we can see in the Word of God. There's many of those in the Bible. There's all kind of there's health principles in the Bible. There's relationship principles that are in the Bible. All kind of principles that are in the Bible. When the law of faith is one of those principles, and it is the way that we receive from God. So we saw that we looked and saw that God, whether people do or not, God lives strictly, absolutely strictly by the law of faith. Because the Bible says this in Mark chapter 16, verses 15, 16, 17, 18. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he that believeth uh, and is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not shall be down. So salvation depends on my believing. Not whether God wants me saved or not. We know that because 2 Peter 3:9 says, God is a God who will have all men to be saved, coming to knowledge of the truth. He don't want anybody perishing. And so, and 1 Timothy 2, 4 also mentions the same thing. And so he doesn't want us perishing. He doesn't want us unsaved. He wants us saved. But he just doesn't come out and say, so I now make you get saved. That didn't happen. It's up to you and me to believe on the Son of God in order to receive salvation. And if we do, Mark 16 and verse 16 says, we will be saved. And if we don't, Mark 16, 16 says, we will be damned. And so on the most important issue of your life, your salvation, it depends on your faith and you believe in what God has said about you, and the gospel that's been preached, that Jesus Christ has given himself for you, died for your sins, and you receive him as your sin substitute, and then you walk in newness of life of Christ. Jesus. All that depends on your faith. Now God. Not God. God wants you saved. God wants you saved. He wants you healed. He wants you blessed. He wants you happy. Somebody say amen. amen. He wants us all those things. But you don't have to have any of them if you don't want to. You don't have, it's up to you. Where is your faith in that level? So we saw in Matthew 9 that it states the law of faith very clearly. In Matthew 9 and what is it, verse 20. Oh, if I go on down and look at it without reading the entire story. The two blind men that come to Christ to receive salvation. And he said to them in verse 29 of Matthew chapter 9. He said, he touched their eyes and he said, not I heal you because I am Christ Jesus. Not I am healing you now by the power of God. He didn't say any of that. Scripture said he touched their eyes and said according to your faith be it unto you. There's another principle. According to your faith, be it unto you. How much faith do you have? Somebody says, well, I'm trying to believe God just get my bills paid. Okay. That's not a a bad thing. Believe God to get your bills paid. But you might say, well, I'm trying to believe God. I got all my bills paid. I'm trying to believe God to move up in the house or have a little bit better transportation. Or I'm trying to believe God that I can sow $10,000 in a mission. Or I'm trying to believe God that I can do this or I can do that in your life. Or I'm believing God that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire. And then you get to the million and say, I'm going to believe God to be a multimillionaire. And wh- where's your, according to your faith. According to your faith. It's not God said, okay, I choose you to be in poverty. I choose you to be in wealth. It's not that way. It is not that way. According to your faith being unto you. Now then, we saw that. We looked also, we saw it in, in the book of Matthew, where almost the same thing is said when Jesus talked to the servant. He said this when the centurion came asking for prayer for his servant. In Matthew, in, in verse 13, he said, Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way as you have believed, so be it done in you. I found out God wasn't my problem. A lot of religious people make God the problem. Well, if God wanted to, he could do it. I mean, God knows my pain, he knows my sorrows, he knows my troubles, he knows my issues. If God wants, he can fix, he's God, he can fix anything. And, and, and they get there, and then the reason they're not this, that, or the other is because of God. And so God has become this mean, terrible, awesome, you know, person that's just inflicting some of us and hurting some of us and causing some of us to have this kind of life and some of us to have that kind of life. But when you realize it's according to your faith, it is done unto you. As Jesus said himself, or as you have believed, so be it done You realize then. You realize then, it, God's not my problem. Amen. It's not God. Somebody say, God, God. is not my, not my problem. So what the real truth? The real truth is the devil that has lied to us and tried to convince us God was the problem. That's the issue. And so God, God's not my problem. He's my answer. He's my solution. He's not our problem. Okay, so, so we looked at that just a little bit. We looked in Scripture. We talked about uh, having this measure of faith that the Bible says uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 3, that to every man is given a measure of faith. Everybody say, I have faith. I have faith. I say, like, Leon, you got faith, boy. You got faith. You are not a doubter. You are not an unbeliever. If God says it, you believe it, and you believe it instantly. You don't argue. You don't reason with it. When you see it in God's word, and God has spoken to you through the Word of God, you believe it. I've got faith. Everybody say I got faith. Everybody say I'm a believer. <laughs> say they say I'm not, I'm not a doubter. Now, come on, not a doubter because I got faith. I'm a believer, and the Bible says, Mark nine twenty three, all things are possible if you can believe. And so, you live in this world of where impossibilities just do not exist when you're connected with God. I mean, you know, there's a big, vast difference in our world that we can see all over the world and in America as well, in believers and unbelievers. I I thank God for everything that that man uh, has done and will do for us. And I honestly believe that the blessing of the Lord is on man for a number of things, a number of blessings in our, our country for sure. But you know, I just do not look to man, I don't look for government. They're not the source of my supply. God is my source. And as long as I stay faithful to God, he's always faithful to me. As long as I stay faithful to him, I'll see all of my needs, needs met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And what the scripture tells me. And so that's what we stand on. That's where our faith is. And, and I thank God for it. I thank God for it. All right, now, let's sort of move where we're at. We all have this measure of faith. But now, let's talk just a little bit here as we look uh, in, in Scripture. Romans 10, verse 17. See what the Scripture says? The Bible says, uh, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everybody say, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God biblical faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god if you're saying uh pastor i have a prayer need would you pray with me okay what are we basing your prayer need on well my prayer needs based on i got a need that's not biblical faith your prayer need needs to be based on the word of god because your prayer my prayer they don't get answered until we exercise faith in God that we pray to, to answer our prayers. And Scripture tells us faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You can only have faith where the Word of God is known. You can only have faith where the Word of God is known. And so if you say, well, Pastor, how come it is you think God's going to supply all your needs financially? Why do you think that? Because the Word of God I know is... In the book of Philippians, it says, My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The word of God that I know is 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you might prosper. And so I, I know that God has promised me prosperity. I, he said, well, in the book of Psalms, wealth and riches will be in the house of the righteous. I mean, he, he, he teaches us the covenant so that we might prosper, the Bible says. There's God that teaches you to profit, the scripture tells us. And so I, I know these things because God has said those things. And so based on those things, then I have faith to believe that all my needs will be supplied. I have faith to believe that I'll be prosperous, I'll be blessed, a cup will be running over, there will be abundance in my life. Not because I have a need. Not because if I get it, I'll use it wisely. Not because if I get it, I'll share it and bless it and give to others. None of that. I know because what God's Word has said. If you're basing your faith on your acts of performance, you've missed this altogether. You will have acts of performance if you have faith. But we, they come after the faith, not before the faith. It doesn't produce it. it it's just a evidence of it that we have in our life. And so when we're looking in scripture, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If I've got a need in my life, an issue in my life, I'm going to get into the Word of God and I'm going to look, 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 and I'm going to read, read, read and I'm going to find out what the Bible says about my issue. If I'm facing a health issue in my life, I'm going to look into the Word, I'm going to see what God says about my healing, what God says about my health, what God says about the way I receive, and I'm going to look at that, I'm going to read it, I'm going to meditate on it, I'm going to think about it, it's going to fill my heart till it's bigger than anything else in my life. When it gets that way and it washes away doubts and fears in my life, I get my healing. I'll have my healing in my life. And, and so God is faithful to us. And his word produces faith in our life. L- look with me, let me show you something. Let me show you an answer here. Look with me to Mark chapter 6. Turn there. Flip there. See it. Tab there. What have you got to do to get there? Mark chapter 6. Let me show you something. Mark chapter 6. And let me get there while I'm talking to you as well. Mark chapter 6 and look about verse 1. Because many people just are mistaken about this part of it. They look into the scriptures and they just see God so differently than what the scriptures portray him as being. But in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, scripture says, Then he went out from there, Jesus, and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. Notice, disciples follow Jesus. Disciples follow Jesus. If you are a disciple, you are following Jesus. Verse 2, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? And such mighty works are performed by his hands. They see stuff happening in Jesus, and then they don't think Jesus Christ, they think in Jesus the man. They, they see stuff happening in Jesus. They don't understand where did he get all these mighty miracles at? Where did he get this kind of wisdom at that he's preaching and teaching? Where did this come from? Now notice verse 3. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mark, Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended him, Get Got mad. Got mad at Jesus. He, he's talking about how they can be blessed and, and how they can be healed and how God's on their side and how God loves them, and they get mad. You wouldn't think that's the case, but I have met people that get mad if you get blessed. Amen. Amen. Really? I mean, get mad. Get mad. I mean, you, you, there's some people you could say, well, God wants you well and he wants you healed. <laughs> what are you doing Tell me that for? That don't make you happy? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. And just, I mean, it's, it's amazing the world we live in. It's upside down right now, so make sure you stay right side up. Verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet's not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Okay. In other words, that's where he didn't have honor. People that grew up with him and know him in his own house, on relatives, and they saw him, and they, different things happened through his life. You're just human you can be. He didn't have the honor there. Verse 5. Now he could do there no mighty work there. That's what it said. Now he could do no mighty work there. And some people's religious brain just goes tilt at that point. And the machine shuts down, cuts off. Oh, you ain't tell me Jesus doesn't have power. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And the Bible says he could do no mighty work there. I've heard people say, well, he just chose not to. I've heard people say, well, he could, but uh, it wasn't in God's plan. No. Mark said, now, he could do no mighty work there. I wouldn't want to be there, would you? I mean, regardless of the Staple singer singing, I'll take you there, I don't want to go there. Okay? He could do no mighty work there except, okay, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and got them healed or healed them. There was a few there that were believers. Very few. Other places, you can read that they brought in him all that were sick and all that were oppressed and he healed them all. You can see healing, but right here, where they get into the rationale their mind and their thinking and staying away from what Jesus has taught and preached and what they know He's done, but then said, No, look, His parents and family, you know, it can't be real. And they go in that sense knowledge. We saw His father, Joseph. They think we saw His mother, Mary. We saw Him growing. Up. We saw, we touched, we experienced. They're in sense realm. And because they're in sense realm, they don't get nothing. Okay? Now they hurt just like everybody else hurts, they got needs just like everybody else got needs. Jesus loves them just as much as he loves everybody else. But they get nothing. We live by the law of faith in this period that we are in definitely, which you always see it through the Bible, but definitely we do. When Christ came, he taught us that the just shall live by faith. Four times we read in the Bible, different places, Old Testament, New Testament, the just shall live by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. But if any man shall draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And so there, there's no pleasure with God. You're not satisfying God. And God's not happy when we say things like, well, you know, God's great and powerful and mighty. I just wish he would one day. I believe, hope he will. That don't make God happy at all. He has no pleasure in that. When we put God off or make God mad or make God uh, this person, that, well, God's the one who did it too, many anyway. I mean, certainly there's no pleasure in that when we don't walk according to faith in the Scriptures. Now, notice what, I'm going to show you what the answer is. This is what I'm trying to get to. Notice. Verse 5, now he could do no mighty works there except he laid his hand on a few sick people and healed them. And verse 6, what does he do? And he marveled. This is amazing, Jesus thinking. Here he is with God's endued power upon him to heal the sick and do all the things that they have need of. But now he sees that they're not receiving. He marveled. What did he marvel at? Because they were a bunch of sinners? did he marvel because they didn't go to church? Did he marvel because they cussed each other out every other day? Did he marvel because they were unfaithful? all those things if they were there, they'd been issues for sure. But no, he marveled because of their unbelief. It's amazing these people won't believe. That's what he's saying. He marveled because of their unbelief. Now what's the answer? What's the answer to that? If unbelief stops them from receiving, he marveled at their unbelief. Verse 6, what does he do? Then, then, he went abroad about the villages. New King James says in a circuit. He started traveling around in the villages, circuit preacher, so to speak, preaching around in the villages. And what's he doing? Verse 6, what's the last word? He goes around the villages. He goes, well, he's teaching. He's teaching. He's teaching the word of God unto them. These people don't have any faith. What's the answer? I now endow you with faith? No. What's the answer? Climb the highest mountain. We'll know you've got faith. Swim the deepest ocean. We'll know you've got faith. No. That's not the answer for unbelief. The answer for unbelief is the taught word, and Jesus has given them the word of God. Why? Because the Bible just read, as we saw, Romans 10, verse 17, So then what? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so God's not going to make an allowance for you or for me. He's not going to do it. It's not going to come to a place in, uh, in our lives where God says, Okay, uh, I guess it's all right. In your case, I'll just do it anyway. I haven't seen that in Scripture. I've never experienced it in real life either. Amen. After been living on this earth at least 40 years, I've never experienced it in real life. haven't seen it in Scripture. Okay. And so I don't look to God and say, God, you're going to make an exception in my case. Uh, am I going to say, God... You know, everything you say in the Bible is a lie. Would you make exception in my case? No. 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 I'm not important. You're not important. God's not going to change the integrity of who he is just because you and I don't want to operate by the word of God. Now, again, not just specifically you and I in this house, but the world we're talking to online everywhere else. Okay? And so then, let's not be that way. But when we saw this, now, now notice with me. Let, me. let me get to the place. Faith comes by hearing, my hearing by the word of God. In Mark 4 and 24, the Bible says this. Based on this, take heed what you hear. Do you know that if you come into the average American family, so to speak, if there is one, or a family that's not dysfunctional, if there is one, and you come into this family and earth, and you are taught from the time that we can teach you anything, you're no good, you will never amount to anything, and you will always be worthless. Do you know that you will begin believing that about yourself if that's all you hear about you? I've told you the story, I guess, of the saddest time that I talked with a prisoner in, in jail one time. And we were just talking, discussing, and he's in jail, and we went there doing some. I went there with a band, played some music and that kind of stuff. And so during break time, I was over and talking with him, and I said, you know what? Well, I said, uh, how's everything going? And he talked that way and tell me what's happening and that kind of stuff. What about your family there? And uh, I said, well... I guess your family uh, sort of, about what he'd done, I said, sort of surprised and shocked about you being here, aren't they? He said, no, not really. He said, because the earliest memory I remember from my family was they told me this is where I was going to end up. And this is where I was going to be. And he looked at me, all about all about, and he said, I didn't, disappoint, I didn't disappoint them either. If you hear it long enough, you'll begin to believe it. What you believe, you will act on, and you, that will become your life. So take heed what you hear. When you start hearing doubt and unbelief and start preach, talk, whatever, turn the radio here or there, cut that thing off. If you've got a shotgun, get there and blow it up. Coming up, I had a little boy, you know, I had a 410. I don't know why I a 410, but a little shotgun. Boom. Here, here, here a while back, you know, you can do different things around your home. So now I believe in the Second Amendment. How many believe in the Second Amendment say amen? Amen. Don't want to hurt nobody. Don't want to do anybody any damage like that, but I don't want them to hurt me either. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And so I've had different weapons at my home and that kind of stuff like that, and, uh, you know, uh, fired pistols and rifles and that kind of stuff. And A.J. uh, got me one at a show several years ago, and he came back, and it was a 12-gauge. So instead of this 410." I had a 12-gauge. We took that thing and took the back off the back of it, put a handle on that and shortened the stock of it on the front of it, that kind of thing. And, you know, I don't have to see you to hit you. I mean, you know, if you're in the, if you're in the house, boom, you know, you'll, you, you'll be gone. You'll be gone. But take heed. Take heed what you hear. Now, notice what else he said in Mark 4:24. With the same measure you use. Somebody says, why is it when some people get saved that it seems like they're just free from everything that was against them and their whole nature has changed? Because how much of yourself did you put in to the salvation experience? Or, in other words, how much did you commit yourself to the Lord? Did you just say, I'll try it and see? Did you say, well, nothing else worked in my life. I'll give this shot, too. You know, we'll see. Is that what you did? Or did you say, oh, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Lord, I want everything you got. I don't want any of me anymore. And you just dive into the things of God. I have found that by experience in life, seeing that the people that come to God that are so committed and so tired and hate their life that they've been living, that when they come to God, they give God everything, and God does a huge work in their life. Why? they got a different measure. Mark 4, 24, Take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. Same measure. Same me- What's the Bible say in 2 Corinthians? It, it, it talks about sowing. He that sowing sparingly reaps how? Sparingly. He that soweth much reaps how? Much. 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 With the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you again. And it says, and more will be given. It'll be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. So the more I hear the word of God, and the more I'm saturated with the word of God, the greater my faith becomes. The more you hear the word of God, the greater your faith becomes. You know what? If by some quirk of nature or whatever we might would call it, if we said, all right, well, ain't nobody living today, and, and, and I just stood here and just kept talking and teaching and talking and teaching and talking and teaching, talking and teaching, and I ended up doing this all the way down to midnight tonight until somebody finally fell out to win the window If like in the days of Paul, in the days of Paul. And I told all, you, when you left here at midnight tonight, you would be of faith, filled super abundant, abundant believer of God. Why? Because you heard, you heard, and 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 you measured more of your ears to hear, and God increased the measure that came into your ears. It's not hard to change your life. It is not hard to overcome habits. It's not hard to overcome fears and failures. Of life. It's not hard at all. You just got to start listening to the right thing. You listen to the, to the world and what they tell you and have everybody know good, we're all going under, it's all over, you might as well, you know, sew it up and quit and go to the house, you know, cut out the lights and that kind of stuff. No, no, no. You listen to that, you know, they'll take you down. And if you find yourself being listed like that, you know, I cut off several, several months ago, I guess it was, uh, news uh, at my house. I cut off, you know, CNN and MSNBC and Fox News, and pfft, did them all away. Got, got rid of them. And, and I got some Christian news coming in my house now. Because I want to hear the news through Christian people's mind, heart, and eye, and lens. Because there's a difference. Do they say the same thing might be happening? Sometimes they do. But there's a different outlook on it. A different outlook on it. And that's what I've got I've to take heed. Take heed. Somebody say, I'm depressed. What you been listening to? Hey, lay hands on me. Get me undepressed. Can't do it. What you been listening to got you depressed. You'll have to quit listening to whatever you've been listening to before you get undepressed. I don't know. Well, living, I don't know land. I told somebody like that one time, talked to me like that. And they said, well, I don't know. I said, well, let me ask you something. Who's happy here? He said, you are. I said, who's sad? He said, I am. I said, okay, won't you listen to me instead of you then? It's not hard. Life is very simple. It's extremely simple. Not hard at all. When the computers first come out, what was it? Input. You know, output equals input, Right you're not going to get a different output unless you input something differently into the computer. All right, so then. All right, let's move on a little bit. Look look with me to Mark chapter 4. Now, what happens to this word of God when it goes into your heart and life? Look in Mark chapter 4 and verse 14. The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. He's explaining a parable that he just gave to everybody. And he's given them this master parable of how it all works. And he says, when you saw the sower go out, you saw these different kind of grounds and different kind of results. The sower was sowing the word. The word is to be sown in our lives. Now, what word are you sowing? You can sow any kind of word. And, you know, I've got my bucket of seeds that I keep in my office all the time to remind me of this, uh, of corn seed. And, and you can take that bucket of corn seed and you go outside and you can sow every single one of those seeds that are in there. Uh, I don't know how many seeds are in that bucket. I haven't counted that yet. I've counted tiles in here and a lot of other stuff. But I have not counted the seeds there. But I don't know. There's probably seven or 800 seeds there. But I could go outside and sow all seven or 800 of those corn seed outside, sow every bit of them. What do you do, Put, drop like three in a mound? That's just sort of make a hill, we call it. We're making, doing that corn, three there, and come in, three more. And, and I could sow all of that and plant my garden, and I could come back and say, all right, now, where's the green beans? <laughs> there ain't going to be no green beans. <laughs> Why? I didn't sow green beans. What'd you sow? Corn. What you got? All kind of corn. All kind of corn. And if you look at your life and you say, here's what I got. You like what you got? Keep sowing the same thing you've been sowing. You don't like what you've got, sow something differently. Amen. Stop sowing what you've been sowing, get rid of the weeds, and let a new harvest, new crop come to your life. And so Jesus is explaining this master parable here. The sower sows the word. The sower is sowing the word of God. And so this book is full of seeds. Yes. Let this be your bucket of seeds. Amen. And sow these seeds into your life and let them cause a Abundant increase and abundant freedom resources. Everything that God has for you, you get them out of that book. Now, look with me again. The sower sows the word in verse 15. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but they have heard. Notice, when they have heard. Remember what What happens when you hear something? Faith comes by what? And what did they do when they had heard? But faith comes by what? And Jesus said when they had heard. That's the entry point. Of faith. God does stuff in seed form. You remember when God made the world? God's design of the world, when he created it in Genesis chapter one, he told Adam and Eve, you know, just fill the earth, repopulate it, and the whole thing, multiply, increase. That's what he wanted in the earth. It multiplied, increased, people all over the earth. What he wanted. Why didn't he just make all the people all over the earth at once? He didn't do that, did he? He made two seed that would do it. Adam and Eve. God does things in seed form. Somebody says, okay, God, I need to be wealthy, and for me to be wealthy in my mind, I, got, you know, you know, I need at least $10 million you know, or whatever. I need to be wealthy, whatever the case might be. I need that. Where's my 10000000 million? I'm waiting, God. I'm waiting. No, that's not how God does. He gives you the creative ability. He gives you the talent. He gives you the faith. He gives you the opportunity to sow seed that will get you there. But he doesn't sow it for you, and he doesn't make you do it if you don't want to. All of us have these same opportunities in life. The sower sows the word, he says, and when they have heard. Now notice, Satan comes immediately. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word, look where it was sown, which was sown in their heart. That's where the word is going. It's going into your heart. It's not meant to go into your mind. It will go through your mind. That's fine. It will saturate your, your body if you let it. That's fine. But the word is designed to go to the heart. The word goes to the heart. If Sheila and I, in our relationship, if years ago, she said, Leon, how do you feel about me?" I said, well, I like you fine. You all right? That's a mental thing, right? But when love is there, I love you and can't live without you. Something's in the heart. Something's going to the heart. The word of God is not just something you memorize. Oh, I can quote three scriptures. That's good. Keep learning. Keep keep quoting. That's wonderful. But it's not just I can quote three scriptures. You want those scriptures to be in your heart. You must open your heart. That was the purpose in this, this parable of the sower was a different kind of ground. What kind of ground are you? If you are good ground... You will bring 430, 16, and fold of everything God puts in you. If you are not, if you're a stony ground or wayside ground, if you're those kind of grounds, no, you won't produce anything. The word will just bounce right off of you. I don't receive that. I don't believe that. That can't be in the word of God. You know, I don't. Well, men wrote that book anyway. Who believes that anyway? What happened? Seed got planted and you just bounced it off your life. You didn't get a harvest either. You didn't get a harvest. So you have to open up your heart to the Word of God and believe what God is saying to you because it's intended to go to your heart. Listen carefully. Matthew 13, 19, The wicked one comes, snatches away that which was sown in his heart. In Luke 8 and 12, The devil comes and takes away the word of their heart. And here he said, Lest they should believe and be saved. The devil wants to get away the word out of your heart lest you get what the word promises you can have. In other words, if I'm in a circumstance of, uh, of healing in my life and I need God to do something for me physically, and then all of a sudden the word of healing comes my way, and all of a sudden I get a twinkle in my eye. You know what? Maybe God can heal me. Maybe God does love me. Maybe God does want me well. And as that word begins to make an entrance into my life, the devil, no, we can't let Leon do that. No, 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 no. We've got to steal that word out of his heart. No, Leon. No, 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 no. Uh, God used to heal, but he doesn't anymore. Uh, will you buy that, Leon? No, 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 no. This is God's purpose for you. Will you buy that, Leon? Uh, it's not the time. Will you buy that, Leon? And the devil will come immediately trying to convince you and talk you out of the word, which is the seed that was planted in you, so that the seed won't bring forth a harvest, and as it said here in Luke eight twelve, 12, that you won't believe and you won't be saved. And so the intended purpose of the word of God is to go to the heart. Let me show you what happens there. Turn Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 14. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 14. Let me show you that. Deuteronomy 30 verse 14. This is one that you should take to the bank with you. This is a great passage of Scripture, and it tells you about this word of God that I'm talking about, where it goes. Look at Deuteronomy 30, and look at verse 14 is actually used again by Paul in the book of Romans. but see it as Moses first got it, as he got it from the Lord. In Deuteronomy 30 and verse 14, the Bible says that the word is near you. Very near you, New King James says. The word is very near you. How many's got the word near? Say amen. amen. I'm nearsighted. The word's near. I see the word cloud. Nearsighted. That's where my side is. It's near on the word. The word is very near you in your mouth. Right? I don't believe in all this confession. No, 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 no. Don't ever say that. In your mouth. The word of God is in my mouth. How many know some people you wish the word of God was in their mouth? Say amen. Other than what they got in there. Some of you got some rough stuff in their mouth, don't they? Lord. The word of God is near you and in your mouth and another place, not mouth only, and in your heart. That's the purpose of the word, to go to the heart. Uh, I'm going to open my heart. I've read the Bible before and got the Bible in and do my devotions, and I read it, and I looked, and I said, Now, what did I read? I said, I'm supposed to read this many chapters this day, and I looked, and I done read eight verses and don't even know what I read. I said, What did I read? I don't know what I just read. Something about I'm supposed to cut the grass in a little bit, but no. <laughs> what happened? Your mind began to wander, right? Yeah. You're a wanderer, like Dion De- 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 said. You know, your mind wandering on. It. No? You know what I do? I go back. Go back. You're going to read it till you remember it, Leon. You're going to read it till you get it in your mind right now, and you wash everything out. You're going to read it till it goes into your heart. Notice what he said verse 14. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart. Both places, not just one. Both places, mouth and heart. Look what that gives you the power to do. That, that, in other words, it's based on that. Based on it being in your heart and in your mouth, that you may be able to do it. Some say, well, when I can do better, then I'll start doing better. No, no, no. Get into the Word of God while you're still doing bad. We don't want you to do bad, okay? You know we don't. But take your bad self to the Word of God. Amen? And fill yourself with the Word of God until it changes your bad self. Amen? And what you want, people want to do, they want to do themselves first. And they don't, they don't even know the first thing about God or his word. But yet, they want to do better than what they've been doing. And what do they do? They turn over new leaves. You know, they make resolutions. What happens when you turn over a new leaf resolution? Well, maybe a little something, a little time, maybe, who knows. But usually, you know, that resolution, you've got to make another. That's how the new year, every year, so you can make them again. Let the first resolution be, I'm sorry for the last ones I didn't keep. But anyway, because you don't have to worry about this with the Word of God. You keep putting the Word of God in your heart, it will change you from the inside out. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, peace even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, yes. joints and marrow. It goes inside of you. It goes into your heart. You get the Word of God on the inside and in your heart, it won't matter what you hear in the world. It won't matter what people try to do to discourage you and put you down and be against you. You get the Word of God in your heart, it will change who you are. And that's the purpose of the Word. It will give you the power to do it as he says here. Now, let me give you one other place that we're going to look at. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. When the Word is brought into your life, it produces faith. That faith of that Word is designed to go to your heart. And in Matthew chapter 12... We talk just there in Deuteronomy, just there about this word being in your mouth. Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew 12, verse 34. O generation of vipers and snakes. They've been around here a long time, haven't they? If Jesus was talking to them then, they're still around today. There's some vipers and snakes out there. O generation of vipers and snakes. How can you, being evil, speak good things? How can you be evil, speak good things? Now, the world's went absolutely nuts. Really. How can you being evil speak good things? Mr. Mr. Health Czar that dresses like a woman. How can you be in charge of the health of America when you ain't got the first clue about who you are? Is the world going Crazy. The world going absolutely nuts. Jesus, how can you be evil? Speak good things. You ain't going to do a whole lot for me physically, and you're around here wearing a woman's dress. And you're a man, and you're trying to convince me you're a woman? And you telling me you went to medical school and still don't know you're a man? What school do you go to? And a lot of people going nuts, aren't they? Generation of vipers, how can you be evil? Speak good things. You're not going to get something out of you that's good if you're evil. It ain't going to happen. So take heed what you hear. Amen? For out of the abundance of the heart. Now what's abundance? That's filled up and overflowing. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Fill yourself with it. That. That, that's why it's good to hear and hear and hear and hear. On, on, my, on my testimony of how God got me out of debt and made me rich, I, I talk about Dave Ramsey and what he did for me. And when I first heard him, Dave, you don't know what you're talking about. There you are, a millionaire sitting in your ivory tower trying to tell me, poor boy from Watts Mill, from divorce, divorced home, lived in poverty and all that kind of stuff, lived in the worst to the worst to the worst areas uh, of my life. And you try and tell me that i got to do this. And that. No, Dave, you don't know what you're talking about. I, Dave make me so mad and then he started talking about me being in debt and I said you don't know Dave you can't get a car if you don't get in debt you can't get a house if you don't get in debt you can't buy a refrigerator if you don't get in debt you can't buy clothes if you don't get in debt you just don't know Dave I tried to argue with him and argue with him. and finally Dave kept I kept hearing him though and he kept saying to me debt is dumb Leon he just said debt is dumb on the takes but it came out Leon when I heard it debt is dumb Leon he said, the lender becomes a servant. I mean, the borrower is a servant of the lender. You a slave, Leon. No, I'm not. I'm not a slave. Dave said, yes, I am. And he kept saying to me over and over and over again. And every time I turn him on and listen to him, he's telling me I'm, you know, all this kind of stuff. And finally, one day, out of the abundance of my heart, after I kept filling my heart with what Dave Ramsey said about finances that he was getting from the Bible, when I filled my heart with that, finally I began to speak it. You know, we might can get out of debt. I remember the first time I told Sheila that. I said, Sheila, you know, we can probably get out of debt. She said, Leon, you remember when we first got married, I told you the first thing you want to do is never borrow nothing? <laughs> she did. She told me that. But I was hungry to get in debt. We got married. We bought her. I bought her a sewing machine at her first Christmas of 19 and uh 1973. And uh, I bought her a sewing machine. At that particular time, we had the money to do it. It was $325 for that sewing machine at Sears and Raback or Roebuck in Greenville. $325 sewing machine. It would do embroidery and stitching and all this stuff. She could take that $325 machine and she'd go out and sew dresses for people and make $2. But anyway. <laughs> true. And so I bought her that machine. But when I was up there at Sears, I said, now listen, we don't have any credit. I said, we got money, we'll pay for this, Well, we don't have any credit. But we want to establish credit. Can we do this? I said, can I give you $300 down, since I don't have a bit of credit? Can I give you $300 down, and you finance $25? And they said, yeah, we can do that. I gave them $300 down, they financed $25, and believe it or not, that $25 multiplied. It began to multiply from 25 to 100 that I owed, to 500 that I owed, to 1,000 that I owed, to 10,000 that I owed. You know, finally got up, I owed $70,000. I, and I said, This is great. And then when I went to school, I borrowed all kind of money to go to school and go to seminary. And, that, and then all our children, all that stuff earlier in life, that kind of borrowed money everywhere. Hey, I could drive anything I wanted if I just borrowed. Hey, I'll sign here. Where do I sign? So I had lived my life that way, and that was the abundance of my heart. But when Dave talked to me, and begin to tell me what the Word of God said, that I was just foolish for borrowing this money, and I, I was a slave to that lender, that person I borrowed from. Finally, it hit me. When it did, I said, I ain't going to be no slave no more. Yeah. And I'm stopping borrowing, and I cut off every single, I swore, I'll never borrow anything else again. Never. 2008, stock market crash. I said, I'll still never borrow anything else again. 2008, AJ, when you first year of college, I said, we'll still never borrow anything else again. And paid cash for everything else since then uh, until now, and what happened though? It had to become abundant in me, because if it's not, if it's just well, yeah, I'd like to be a debt too. I would too, but you know, I got this and I got this and I got this. What happened was, you being a debt wasn't abundant in your life. These other things were abundant in your life. Those were abundant in your life. I mean, some of our our grandparents and our moms and dads they didn't live the way we lived in this modern generation. Uh, they, They didn't do that at all. And so we've got to get our thinking changed. The word of God's what changed. All right, real quick, real quick. Look at verse 35. A good man, a good man out of the good treasure. Uh, well, how come man's good? Because he got good treasure. A good man out of a good treasure of the heart, treasure of the heart, brings forth good things. If you fill your heart with good things until it becomes abundant in you. Remember? For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't speak good if you're evil. So what do you do? You fill your heart with good things. I'm filling my heart with the word of God. I fill my heart with what God has said about me. I listen to it over and over again. I drive out my fears and failures. I drive out my doubts and unbelief. I drive out what I've been told historically. I drive out what the man said. Everybody know what the man said? Everybody know who the man is? You know, the man's got, he's got to tell you what you drive out what the man says. Don't worry about what the man said. You know, John Lennon said years ago. He should have listened to it himself. But don't worry about what the man said. Drive all that stuff out. Filling ourselves with the word of God. Filling ourselves. And then what happens? We put in good man, good treasure, brings forth good things. You want good things? You got to have good treasure. How do you get that good treasure? You filled yourself with it. Put it in there. You want healing? Fill yourself with healing scriptures. Well, i memorized one. I'm still sick. Fill yourself with healing scriptures. Until it's the abundance of your life. Until it overflows out of your mouth. To where you can't talk anything else but healing. To where you're so full of healing, you just can't phantom sickness or disease. Because you know who God is. He's Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord God that heals you. Jesus took the stripes on his back that you might be healed what is it? 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you might be in health. And you hear, and, and all that fills you. And when sickness and disease hits you and attacks you, you say, no, no way, uh-uh. No, no, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I know what the Bible says. I know what the Word of God says. The devil said, what does your body say? It doesn't matter what my body says. What does the Word of God say? That's what I'm living my life. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by the five senses. I'm moved only by the Word of God. Well, you won't get to that place until you fill yourself with that. Amen. You have to have an abundance in your life. Now, notice what he said. And that's how it works, verse, verse 15, verse 35. Good man of a good treasure of heart brings forth that which is good. Now, it works both ways. An evil man of the evil treasure of heart brings forth that which is evil. You doing evil, we know why you're doing evil, because you got evil in your heart. You doing good, we know why you're doing good, because you got good things in your heart. It's just that simple. You want to do the good and get rid of the evil, put something different into your heart. It's just that simple. It's just that easy. Look at verse 36. But I say unto you, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof on the day of judgment. Somebody says, does that matter what I say? Apparently Jesus thought it did because verse 37 he said, by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. It is vitally important that you change the language of your mouth if it is in doubt, unbelief, fear, and failure. If your mouth is talking what you don't want, then stop talking that. When you come to prayer and you come to God, you say, oh, God, look at the trouble I'm in. Boy, I'm in pain, I'm hurting, I'm in sorrow, I'm in distress, all this stuff is against me. Oh, God, don't look like anything's ever going to change. It only gets worse and worse and worse. The harder I try, the behinder I get, even made a song about it. All this kind of stuff that I say, don't say that when you pray. Amen. When you Remember what, what Scripture says? Your words will be justified, words will be condemned. What do you say? You come to God, Lord God, here's an issue. Okay, stated. now move on. But Lord God, you said you were the healer of my body. And therefore, since you're the healer of my body, my body's got to respond to the word of God. So in the name of Jesus' body, be well and be whole. No sickness, no disease in the name of Jesus. Be made whole in Jesus' name. You are whole. I am healed in Jesus' name. And you speak that. And you don't let go. And you don't quit it. And you stay with it time and time again, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month. You fill yourself with it. Look, we'll close right here. Mark 11, verse 22. And here's what Jesus said again. Jesus just says all these good things. He says so much different than what the modern-day church says. Because in Mark 11, verse 22, Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Depending on the margin of your Bible, what kind of Bible you have, Cambridge, Nelson, whatever it might be. Depending on the margin of your Bible, have faith in God. It's got a little of out there in the margins. So faith of God. Or have the faith of God. Or have faith like God has. Have faith like God has. What kind of faith is it that God has? Jesus, tell us about it. Well, verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever. Well, that's me. Everybody say, that's me. I am a whosoever. Am a whosoever. Now, again, what happens when you hear that? The devil comes and no, 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 not, not you. No. Mm-hmm. God's got to teach you something. God's got to learn you something. God's got a special purpose of, of suffering and heartaches and pain for you. And God's gonna get glory out of all this. So not you. No, 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 no. I am a whosoever. I am a whosoever. Everybody say I am a whosoever. I am a whosoever. That's Jesus is talking to Leon. He's talking to me and you. He said, "Verily I say unto you that whosoever—that's me—shall say." Well, I can say. I can say, I'm a whosoever, so I'm right here so far. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, King James language, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. Not whatever God wants to do. Now God wants to do what you say, what you believe this is based on the word. That's what he wants to do. But but I'm just saying, it's not whatever God wants to do. He'll have, or have this, or have that. And some people think it's so humble, you know, uh, that they come to the Word of God. Now, Lord God, I'm praying, I'm believing in my healing. But now, Lord God, if it's not your will to heal me, I understand. And if you've just chosen me for this life of suffering, I'll go ahead and take that and bear it, that the cross might be glorified, and that uh, I just might be a blessing to you. You doubter and skeptic unbeliever. That don't bring glory. You didn't tell me you were humble. You told me you didn't know anything about the Word of God, but told me. Blessed preacher I know many, many years ago, a wonderful man of God, a wonderful person, but had his understanding of the Bible all wrong. He was praying for someone, and he loved the person he was praying for. I understand that. The person that he was praying for was greatly sick. I understand that too. And as he was praying for the person, he said, God, heal him. I understand that. And he said, Lord God, if it's not your will to heal him and somebody's got to bear it, then let me be the one that bears it. I don't understand that. Because I found out it wasn't that pastor that needed to bear it. Jesus bore it 2,000 years ago on the cross. He bore our sickness and our disease on the cross, Isaiah 53 tells us. And so you can get way out there in lot of Land all mixed up when you get away from work. just, Just believe the word of God like it says and I know I've had people badmouth me up and down the river and all kind of stuff, based on disbelieving that verse of scripture. Yeah, I mean, just say awful things to you. Mad and upset, and get mad and fight and want to fight and want to come against you it's amazing what people will say to you, Who do you think you are? I'm just, you know, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. What do you think you can do? Anything God tells me I can do? You believe that, yeah. I believe it. I believe it. I believe. Look at verse 24. Therefore, or based on this, based on a principle again. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you shall have them, and you shall have them. So, so he didn't say in there anywhere, in these two pastors, he didn't say, because you hurt so bad, then I'll come and heal you. Some Christians come to God. God isn't enough yet? Hadn't I suffered enough? Doubt and unbelief. Don't say that. Uh, God, is it your time yet? It was this time 2,000 years ago. Amen. Don't say that. God, how long must I bear this cross? How long? how long? How long? Jesus bore your cross, and what he did was this. He said, come, learn of me, and take upon my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. God. I mean, you know, all these things that the religious mind gets into. Go to the clean, pure, simple Word of God. Apply it to your life. Walk in obedience to the word of God. Honor God, love him with everything within you. Some people ask, well, would you do this? If it, it, I'd do anything for God. I'd do anything for God. I, I mean, for, for my wife, I, I, I would do anything for her. We've talked about this before. I said, should I do anything for you, you know? And if uh, one of us had to die, you know, I'd say it had to be you first. And, because think how bad she would feel seeing me die. She'd feel so bad seeing me die, and I wouldn't want her to have to go through that. <laughs> but no, yeah, i do anything for her. But, I, I, you know, I don't have to do anything for her that, uh, you know, she don't want me to do. And that's, you know, if, if it takes me going out, and she said, well, then go sit out on the road out here on East Main Street and wait till a car comes by and stand right in the middle and smile when it hits you. <laughs> if that's what I've got to do to prove I love her, then uh, I don't think she loves me, does she? And if you've got you to be in treasury and sorrow and all this stuff throughout the world just to make God happy, I mean, what kind of sadistic God are you serving? It's not the God of the Bible because he is a good God. And he said it was, a, Jesus said this way, he said it's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Makes God happy. Well, if it makes God happy to give me the kingdom, I guess I'll just go ahead and receive the kingdom. How about you? Amen? Amen. Stand up with me this morning. Let's make a confession of our faith. Believe God. Trust in God. Trust in God. Somebody say, well, have you ever had a bad time, difficult time in life? Oh, yeah, you know that. People have. But what I've learned is this. You go into it with the attitude of faith and living in faith, you'll come out the other side. You'll come out a winner on the other side. God will do wonderful things for you. He will. It rains on the just and unjust. I know that. But what I, my truthful experience is to you is this. I mean, throughout the years, is it, the longer you live for the Lord and practice live by Him, the stuff comes. It, it can. But it seems to get less and less and less. Yes. I mean, the, the more you sort of walk faithfully before the Lord, not that you're anything or anything, we all only can do what God can give us to do. But the more as we practice this walk, in before, just like the more we live together, the more we know each other. More than we did, you know, when we first got married. And she said to me on our honeymoon, I remember that Saturday morning. We got married on Friday night and Saturday morning. She said, the said, first thing I want to do is I want to see you shave, Leon. And uh, I said, well, okay, ain't no big deal. And I said, come here. And I was standing in front of the motel room at the, where the mirror was right there. I said, right here, look here. And she come over. And I said, you ready? She said, yeah. And I went, okay. That was it. Because we got married very young. I was 18 years old. And I hadn't really even started shaving it. I mean, it was amazing. But anyway, but anyway, God loves us. He's on our side, and sometimes we, up, sometimes we mess up, and we learn each other more and more down through the years. We begin to know each other more and more. Same way with God. Start your walk. Start your walk of faith with God. Start your walk. Will you have a bump or a hurdle? Maybe, maybe you will. It can come your way. I'm not saying it won't. It could. But what I'll say is this, is you'll have the power of God in your life to overcome it, and you'll win. Just hold on. Just hold on. Stay in faith. Keep believing the word of God. Keep trusting Jesus. He'll be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he'll make sure that you get out of that valley. Amen? Amen. Don't get in the valley cut the lights out. Just get in the valley and he'll pick you right on through. Walk through the valley of shadow of death. Keep trusting and believing God. See, you see our, our lives is not based on circumstance around us. It's, it's based on God and his word. And what his God has said, he is faithful. He will see us through. And he'll bring us out. He'll bring many victories into your life. He'll bless you in ways you just couldn't dream you would be blessed. He will do things for you. You never know how it would happen any other way other than God. God's a good God. I love him. He is faithful. He has never lied to you or to me. He is a very good Lord. He has his best interest in mind for you. He wants the very best for you. Because Jeremiah talks about, I know the thoughts I have for you. The thoughts are good, the thoughts are prosperity, the thoughts are blessing, not just money, but a whole life, good good mind that you can lay down and go to sleep at night, you know, that kind of stuff, and not have problems going on in your life and not being worried or stressful and being in good health and have a smile on your face and have people that love you and you love them. And it's, it's a good life if you do it God's way. You do it the devil's way and my way or maybe your way sometimes, it eh, don't turn out too good. But put God in charge of your life. Make him Lord of your life and begin to speak and confess His Word, believe His Word, let it lodge in your heart and life, and you're going to come out with some great victories in your life. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands, toward heaven, let's pray. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Look in my heart and into my life. If you find anything there that is not like Jesus, please take it away. Forgive me of any sin that I might harbor in my life I give it to you now. I thank you, Jesus. You are the Lord of my life. I'll live for you all the days of my life. I give you everything that I am. I don't hold anything back. And I want everything you've got, Lord, all that Jesus paid for me to have. And Lord, I believe your word, and my mouth shall only praise you. My mouth shall only confess what you have told me To speak in your word, my heart will only believe and receive your word. I resist all the world, ungodliness, and the devil's voice himself. I resist in Jesus' name. I covenant to speak your word and believe it and act on it all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord, for the great days that are in store for me. I give you praise and I will walk every single one of them hand in hand with you Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Hallelujah! Give me a hand clap of praise. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.